All right, we're back with the Bama Forever podcast. I'm Rick Morton, along with my co-host, Scott Moore. Scott, how's it going this evening, man? Man, a lot's happened since last time we all got together. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. Just wow. No yeah, doubt. Lots changed in that. So now we move forward and we're gonna talk about what we move forward tonight. And I, I feel like this is in the immortal words of Ferris Bueller, life moves fast. And uh, it? we we saw it move pretty fast over the last over the last week or so. I'm gonna warn the folks before we get started because I feel like tonight might ought to have a warning sticker on it. So y'all, I got the largest, most impassioned text message I have ever received today from Scott Moore. And, and so he's loaded for bear tonight as we, as we get ready to get going. And as we talk a little bit about all of the situation. And, and so I feel like I got to let the bear out of his cage and get rolling into what we're going to talk about tonight. Scott, as we seriously, as we roll into talking about this, I think first place where we start is obviously about coach Saban's retirement. And, and obviously that is this, that was a day that none of us ever wanted. We all were hoping against hope that, that it would be a long time until we, until we had to share that news or till we had to come on and talk about that news or till we had to confront what yeah. life was going to be like without him. But here we are, man, your reaction when you heard the announcement. I caught us all by surprise. Actually, to be honest with you, I caught Kev Saban surprised as well. I don't think there's any reason to elaborate on that. That's Coach Saban's business, but honestly, right. I, don't, I don't think I don't think he, his wildest imagination, thought he would retire from college football last week. Right, but it happened, and for 48 hours, it sent the Bama Nation into a tailspin a little bit, as it would. And, and I go back when you and I were around when Coach Bryant stepped aside. And I put it, I put it in this perspective because because Bryant stepped away. It was all we knew, right? I right. Was 20 years old in 1983 when he made that decision. And I was like, there's no way that Coach Bryant is stepping away. And then four weeks later, he passes away at 69, right. which 69 seemed old back then. Man, it and did. We were shocking what happened, but now that we're chance to digest both of these things. This is where I feel like this is different for Alabama. Alabama right now is the preeminent program in college football. Last 17 years has put Bama in that situation. Nick Saban obviously had a lot to do with it, but he also created a standard, created some, some unrealistic expectations for everybody, but what 12, I think it's seven straight 12 in season for Alabama. 10 straight 11 win seasons. And I think, honestly, if we move into the next phase of the 12 team playoff and tougher schedules, probably never going to see, even with Georgia, great success with Toby Smart, we're never going to see 
11 to 1 records every single year now moving forward. The norm is probably going to be 10 because we're going to have a NFL playoff type situation. So, all that being said, where we are right now, I think Alabama is going to be fine. I think the roster currently, as it speaks, but if they lose a couple more guys, a lot of people that they will, we'll get into that in a minute. But I think Alabama's got a roster next year that can compete for an SEC title, a playoff spot, and a national championship. And that's where the program is. Now, moving forward, can you continue to recruit at a high level and get the best players in the American country? Time will tell. I think a lot of great players in high school are going to want to come play at the University of Alabama because of what it stands for, what it is. And again, right now, today, it's the preeminent program in college football. And I think it has a chance to keep that status for a very long time. So I think Alabama's in good shape right now because of where Coach Saban left the program. And I think we can have a lot of discussion about that moving forward. But I feel really good about the hire. I know you do. Yep. All of us are, you've got to be waiting. See, you've got to go, okay, and tell them divorce. Do what they say that they both. I need to give a chance to do that. Well, you know, I have to admit, and, and it's not like I've been shy about it, that I was, you know, I was nervous and I was sure. not super happy with, uh, some of the things about the way everything was handled, honestly. And I know I I wasn't, I'm right there with you. Oh, I know, yeah. I know you are. And I know we've, we've talked offline about it. And the fact is that, that I do think that there were things that, that could have been done better from, from Greg Burns perspective. Mm-hmm. I think, I still think there are things that potentially could have happened a different way. At the end of the day, here's the reality. We've had it better than anybody in college football in the last 17 years. It puts it in perspective when you consider that 30%, it's actually 29%, but 29% of the losses experienced in the Nick Saban era all happened in the first two years. So 30% of the losing we've experienced happened 16 years ago or more, man, we're not used to losing a ball game. We're not used to losing anything. We, this fan base has come to hate losing as bad as our coach did. And, and we, we became entitled and, and I was, I was, I struggled a little bit and even in trying to get my arms around coach DeBoer and what we were, what we were getting ourselves into. And I think there, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about, about this in the weeks to come. I think one of the things that scared me in the beginning was the notion that I I wasn't sure we were going to get on the defensive side of the ball. And I, you know, what we're getting on the offensive side of the ball and we'll talk in depth about that. But I think just being a little bit concerned about what we're going to get on the defensive side of the ball. And that has more than been remedied at this point. And I think we're headed in a pretty incredible trajectory. And so I think the the question that now sits in front of us is what are the materials that staff's going to have to work with? Who's going to continue to be here? And just frankly, the chicken little kind of stuff that we've been seeing on Twitter and everything about the way that recruiting is going, about the way that we're losing guys into the portal, the danger of NIL and all of that sort of stuff just seems, quite frankly, pretty overblown at this point. And we're in a situation where 
Alabama's open for business and everybody gets to come grocery shopping here, but we're not in a position to do anything to really be able to have any leverage against that. And so it's a pretty unenviable position to be in for about the next 25 days or so. But what we're seeing shouldn't be unexpected at all. What, just talk about your feelings about where we are and, and maybe as a fan base, how we should be reacting to the stuff we're seeing in the transfer portal, the NIL rumors we're seeing, just all the stuff that's flying around on social media, right? I think we're all you know, trying to wrap our minds around it, get control of it. It was all, it's something that we've all read a few years ago. The portal's been good now, man. You look at how it's been, Bama's gone, they've pretty well. Yeah. Guys yeah. come in, they've been plugging play, and they've been in those documents for the last couple of years. The Memphis lost you guys, too, but you look at the guys Alabama's lost, and this only thing is some serious pain that Alabama's not really lost anybody that has gone on and hurt them really bad. I can't think of anybody. No. Wow. I can't believe that guy left when on what he went on and accomplished at the other school. So, that can happen now. I think Isaiah Bond and what, what happened with him, the head scratcher for everybody, but Isaiah Bond was already trying to transfer out after the Rose Bowl when before he knew Sam was leaving. So it's a lot of these guys have handlers. A lot of these guys have guys that are in there here. And uh, listen, I think Isaiah Bond's a really good football player. I don't know if he's first for a bit. Right. Here. I'm being honest. I'm not. Right. I don't know if it's first round pick. I think it's very good college football player. I don't think he's going to be a first round pick at Texas. We'll see. He's, I think he can play in the NFL, but being a first round pick and talking about his draft status right now, I think he's got a ways to go, though, to get the first round. Can he improve himself going to Texas? I don't know. Maybe he can. But I think it was a, I think it was a decision that was made because people getting in his ear which is the problem that you have and have always had agents and players. Somebody has got a best mm. monetary financial interest in you are going to tell you things that are always one. Sure. So a lot of things are being said in these kids that, that are true and have no, absolutely no truth to it whatsoever. And is going to make impact the game majorly by. So that leaves me a couple of things. You something's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Got to find some, some rules, but there's none right now to govern what's going on. And I think that agents, the high school people and agents that are dealing with NIL, but there's got to be some kind of, there's got to be some kind of legislation to govern all these guys, because I keep telling everybody, 1% of everybody playing football right now, 1% is, are going to be playing football four years from now. Yep. Okay. 1% of all of them are going to be on the NFL roster. Not everybody can go to the NFL. Not everybody's going to make a million dollars. It's most important to get your education and figure it out because football is for everybody. It ends for every single person that's ever played it. It right. ends for everybody that's ever coached. You've got to think, what is life going to be like without football? 
And I understand about making money now and doing things while you're hot and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is, all these kids are not going to play in the NFL. And I'll tell you another thing. All these kids that have hit the transfer portal, there's no guarantee that they're going to play at the next stop or even get enrolled right now or even go play. There are more guys in the transfer portal right now than there's ever been. Yep. There's not a lot of spots. There's a lot of problems with this. Some people that know football better than I do and have more power than we do, they need to figure this out. They need to be figured out pretty soon. Yeah. One of the things that, that I, kind of occurs to me along the way, as I'm trying to look at this and I nerd out on the business side of this, and we're talking in NIL at this point and yeah. numbers in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, typically on the high end, a guy's making $300,000. And so I know there are rumors out there about players that are being paid millions in there, but that, that really just hasn't proven to be true. The, no. the truth is it's smaller numbers. $100,000 to $300,000 or what the guys are making on the top end. Yeah. That's and good money for a college student. It's great money for a college student, but it's lousy money for a professional football player. And if a guy has, a, has the opportunity to be able to be in a place where he can improve his draft stock, and a lot of these moves moving into the transfer portal are not about improving their draft stock. You take a guy like Isaiah Bond, quite honestly, if you were looking to improve your draft stock, being at Alabama right now under the kind of offense that we're going to run next year looks like a pretty good place for you to get a lot of catches, a lot of looks, to put a lot of stuff on film, and for you to have an opportunity for your draft stock to be able to rise. And the kind of money that he could make, if he could improve from a third round to a second round pick, or if he could even get into the bottom of the first round, that's generational wealth kind of money. And if he could get into the top half of the first round, that's like major generational well, kind of money. This is honest, yeah. honest, honest take on it. Yeah, I know Saban <clears throat> didn't like to compare the players, but we do. We could do right. Sure. Isaiah Bond is to me a very good football player, but, he, but he's not as good as John Mechie was. No. He was John Mechie. And John Mechie was a second round big. Right. You know? And we got a good career ahead of him at Texas, but much more productive player out of his time there than. And so we may see Isaiah Bond's move may turn out to be great for him. It may yeah. turn out that everything that he wants may come true as a result of this, but it's a, it's a pretty significant gamble. And, and it's a gamble to, to move out in what amounts to free agency and insert yourself into a place where. You don't have a track record where you don't have any sort of standing with your teammates, where you're coming in and you're going to be taking a job from a guy. It's, it's a bit tenuous, I think. And at the end of the day, I, I just, I think we also don't understand, we just don't understand college football anymore. And so there's an expectation on the part of, of fans that we expect that our guys are going to stay put and they're going to stay loyal and that they're loyal to the stuff that's on our chest, right? Like yeah. they're loyal to this A. And, and the truth is that there are a lot of guys that are playing for the University of Alabama that came because of, of Coach Saban and, yeah. and they're, loyal to, they're, they're loyal to that. They're loyal to their opportunity to get into the NFL. They're loyal to a lot of other things. They're really not Bama men. And yeah, but we've seen some pretty special stuff. I, if you've been following along with the things that Jaden Roberts has been doing on Twitter, 
I just, I can't love that kid more. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that have done that. And I do think the core of players, when you're going to be at Alabama, I think you got a lot of leadership there. I think you got a lot of athleticism there. But I think there are a lot of guys that really do love that. Yeah. And that's what you want. There's enough guys there, Malachi Moore from Alabama. Right. There's enough guys there that love Alabama that can make this transition much easier for people that are coming to Alabama in the future. And so I think, I think A and R's in this recruiting class, Brewing and Sayin and the other guys, and by the way, Ryan Williams was in, in, in Tuscaloosa last night. He spent the entire day today on the unofficial visit. And he's coming back this weekend. So he came on his own time last night. I spent their whole day. Stay again tonight. I mean, he's doing this all, all Tuesday night. He'll come back this weekend for an official visit. Let's spend some schedule for a while. I think Alabama's in really good shape for them. And I think Alabama will eventually sign him because he's down to two state schools right now. Alabama's got great quarterbacks in the, that are currently on the roster. Right. And uh, Auburn doesn't. Uh, okay. Auburn doesn't have a five star. They're two five star quarterbacks in the roster. Okay. They don't have the talent Alabama's got. Alabama's going to win next year. I think Ryan Williams will. Wolf. I think he's enjoying his time as he should. I think he's enjoying his more than having a, a good time like all the 18-year-old kids do. <laughs> well, I, I think in the end, I think he'll sign with Alabama, and I think he'll be a very important cock, much like Julio Jones and that opening class that Saban got no eight. That same yep. class he got was, was the linchpins for the dynasty. I believe that Kevin DeBoer, Let's get into getting a really good recruiting class. I think Alabama is going to be mm-hmm. happy to fix the recruiting class. And I think they can win big with the players that they've got coming on the ball. Yeah. And I, on the Caleb Williams thing or Ryan Williams thing, sorry, I was, that was a sorry. slip of the tongue. Yeah. That was the wrong thing. That was way the wrong guy. But on the Ryan Williams thing, I think, man, we just, fans need to just calm down. It's yeah. unhealthy to the level that we're seeing people that are, posting on Twitter, I like, I haven't seen anything in the last hour. Did anybody, and this is an 18 year old kid that is, that's going to make a decision. And he's already announced the date when he's going to make the decision. We're, we're not going to know anymore. And the fact is, if I were, he's not, I said, he's 18, he's 16 years old, isn't he? Cause he's just, he's 17. He's not he, yet. He's 17. 17. Has he turned 17? He's still young. Still very Man. Young. So think back to when you were 17 and if you had the opportunity to be bouncing back and forth between ma- two major college programs and having the attention of all of these people placed on you and the opportunity, dude, why would you not enjoy that and have a little yeah. fun with it and, but everything else. And so I just think let's also, let's grown folks act like grown folks here and realize that we have a great brand and we have a great opportunity and we brought a fantastic coach in and a proven OC guys that just played for the national championship a week ago. And so we're in a great place and just see where this thing goes. And the truth is, if he does not come to the university of Alabama, we're still going to field an incredible team and yeah. and we're going to have, we're still going to have an incredible season next year. And we just need to quit worrying. And speaking of that team, there's been so much emphasis put on the guys that are gone and the guys yeah. that are in the world. Let's talk about the guys that are staying and what we have and what we have an opportunity to be able to put on the field next year. Well, there's no doubt. I think when you start looking at all the guys that you got coming back, and I'm more, I'm more referring to someone. <laughs> 
You know, but I mean, you've got, you've got some guys that look, but you got some really good. I think Caleb Dabbs will be fine. I don't see him going anywhere else. A lot of slides should have pushed them all kind of stuff, but you got Caleb back. You got Malachi Moore back. So those are the two best safeties in the SEC. Malachi starts at Georgia might be in that category as well, but Davis got some good situation. You've got, I don't know about Tony Mitchell's problem, sticking around. If yeah. I know Rick's decided to leave, but Harley's back. Uh, also, I love some scuttlebutt about, about Avis right now, about whether or not he comes back. But you've also got some guys in the portal that have just came in. And I think Alabama's secondary is going to be fine. I think mm-hmm. there's some guys that had not made the two deep. I know Kendrick Blackshear left and. Ian Jackson has moved on as well. And Alabama's got some great inside the linebackers. I mean, they're coming back and move all SEC type players. And, and the defensive line right now, I think, will be much improved next year. I think every position, I think you're alone with tell. But it was defensive line is going to be one of the best in the conference, the linebackers are. And then just mention the guys that are already in the secondary. And you've got Boris Jackson also that's committed. From Southern Cal, I don't think he's going anywhere. There's some other yeah. guys that are in there now that could be added in the next couple of weeks. But Bama's at 84 scholarships as of today, right? Yeah. And you can be at 85. There's going to be some things to manage in the roster no matter what. Okay? Sure. They have to meet guys. It's just math at this yeah. point, right? Like... So 84 on the roster right now is a good situation. because And there may be a couple more people that leave. But I also believe that Alabama is going to get, I think Alabama's 85 man roster in 2024 is going to be as good as anybody in college football. And right now, given the where we are, I think that's a really good situation for Alabama. Yeah. I think as you look at it, the other thing that I think is an advantage at this point for the guys that are hanging around is they're going to play with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think so. I, I think, and I think what what we've seen out of guys like like Jaden Roberts is the fact that they're taking it a little bit personally yeah. about all the chatter that's going on. They're taking it personally about the reaction. They're taking it personally about some of the guys that are making choices to leave. And I think that's going to be a, an incredible opportunity for motivation. I think it's something that Coach DeBoer is going to be able to use with his team. And I really think that this team is going to play an inspired brand of football next year because of what they've experienced. And man, I'm really very high on where we are. We've obviously got an incredible quarterback room. And so we start from a fantastic place on offense with yeah. with an ability and again, with an offensive staff that is, that's really well positioned to take advantage of that con that, of that talent. It's also intriguing to me because, and I've, we've mentioned it and talked about it here on the podcast already for a while, but the we're in good shape on the offensive line coach grub you know i don't know how many folks know this but he's an old offensive line coach and so one of the things that we're getting is is we're getting an oc that 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 really has and and they're known for wide open offense in washington but the truth is that his heart is in smash mouth football and running the ball and Washington won the Joe Moore Award this year, right? They did. Am I, That's am I not wrong about that? Wow. So wait, so you're telling me that we're bringing in a hard-nosed offensive coordinator that 
put a priority on offensive line play and that's the anchor of where everything comes from, man, if I didn't know better, that sounds like Alabama football. Listen to this to further give everybody this listening. Think about that. I'm going to go through real quick my each position group. You got quarterbacks, Milrow, Simpson, Lundgren, Sam. Four, three, five-star guys from that group right there. Out, Robbie Hughes, Dupree, Odom and Lindsey are tied in. Odom's a great young player for Alabama. Listen to the wide receivers that are there right now. Prentiss, Law, Hale, Henderson, Adams, Hampton, Jefferson, Scott, and hopefully Ryan Williams. That's a great group right there. You mentioned the offensive line. Roberts, Wilter, Bridget, Clark, Wormfram, McVeigh, Montgomery, Formby, Poem, and Sanders. Great. Clips of Love, Odin, Smith, James Mullen, Keenan, Overton, Latham, Abe, Keel, Renaud, Harry, Momomba, Beerman, outside linebacker, Robinson, and Keeley. He, nobody's talking about either one of those guys. Right. Young Keeley is going to be a superstar at Alabama, and I think it'll happen next year. Mitchell is not a linebacker of Lawson, Campbell, Alexander, Jefferson, Nixon, Jones. And then we already went over the secondary as well. He also got Palti back, Burnett back, and Jimmy Deep Snapper. So listen, Clemens' roster is as good as anybody's in the country. The only team that would compare to it, and maybe only one, is maybe Georgia. I'd give Alabama the edge still. Georgia had 18 guys transfer out of pro right now. Mm-hmm. Ohio State is looking, trying to replace a lot of guys too. But I really believe right now, Mavis got the best roster in the country, and I think Georgia is is probably a close second. Well, man, we need to pay some bills. So hang tight for just a minute. And we talked about offensive line play, and we talked about the importance of offensive line play. And so we're going to hear from a sponsor who contributes to NIL for the offensive line for the University of Alabama. So let's hear a little bit about Roll Tide Jerk. Exciting news for all you Bama Forever podcast listeners. Roll Tide Jerky is a proud sponsor of your favorite podcast. And here's a special deal just for you. Visit RollTideJerky.com and use the code TWO at checkout to save 10% on your entire order. That's right. Exclusive savings on your favorite jerky. Best of all, a portion of every Roll Tide Jerky sale goes to support NIL efforts for the Crimson Tide offensive line. Fuel your passion for the Crimson Tide with Roll Tide Jerky, the perfect snack for any Alabama fan. Don't wait. Head over to RollTideJerky.com now and stock up like a true champion. Roll Tide Jerky, taste the victory. So, Scott, as we get back into this uh, second segment, we, we want to change the, the focus a little bit or turn the corner and start talking a little bit about, maybe a little bit more about Coach Saban here for just a minute. And the idea that, you know, Coach Saban, as we said earlier, a lot of the guys that are here because of Coach Saban, and he obviously cast a big shadow over this team. He was he was the program to some degree. And we understand the brand's a whole lot bigger than Nick Saban. And there's the strength of Alabama football is a whole lot bigger than Nick Saban. But it was also standing on the shoulders of Nick Saban to some degree. And where we are right now, Guys have made some decisions about leaving because of Coach Saban or some other reasons. How do we react to that? What do we do with the fact that the world's changed a little bit? And how do you think about it as you move forward? But that's the reality that we're in now. And we're like, 
uh, an Alabama program now that, that no longer has Nick Saban, which we, we were, we've been on autopilot for 17 <laughs> years. And, and it was very similar to what happened with Coach Bryant in Alabama. And, and as Alabama people, as Alabama fans, as people that love the university, we mentioned this last week, we've been privy to the two greatest coaches of all time in our lifetime. Think about that. How lucky are we? The two greatest coaches in football history. Yeah. Have both been in our lifetime in the last 60 years when Alabama went with Coach Bryant and Coach Saban. And there was some wondering in the wilderness a little bit. Well, because that's a poor decision for me. And, uh, but let me just say this to every Alabama coach that's ever been in Alabama, outside of Mike Christ, he never coached the game. Every single coach at Alabama had a 10 win season in there. Right. Every single one of them. And top five finishes and things of that nature. So you, we have some bad decisions, probations that were affected by bad decisions. And when Coach Bryant left the program, struggling that was we're out of gas and we're facilities from behind everybody else. Bama's got the best facilities in college football. It'll be that way for a while. You've got a brand to this script thing, this Nike brand that Alabama's got is the most powerful college football. Ohio State's in there, Georgia's in there, Texas in there. But this brand and, and this script thing that we keep talking about here is a powerful thing. I heard Greg McElroy say that Bama is Bama. It's bigger than one guy. It yep. was bigger than Bryant. It was bigger than Saban. And winning cures a lot of evils, man. Yeah. I think Alabama can win. I think they've really set up. But the thing I like about Carol the boy, he's not a character, man. Alabama's hired too many characters. Yeah. Every SEC school's done it. Guys that got jobs that you go, why did they hire that guy? Made many of those horrible decisions. This guy's a respected coach. This guy's a football coach who's got the respect right now of the college football in the Nobody's Never. laughing. Nobody's laughing about Alabama. There are rivals right now over at that are really happy. The next thing to step down, I'll tell you this, we're also very afraid about what Alabama could do with the post look saving era. The Alabama well, set up to win, and they're set up to win for a long time. Look at LSU. You know, look what LSU was able to do. LSU was nothing, okay? In you know, our life, our long, life. LSU was right. So Nick Saban arrived there. It right. Turned, turned LSU into a power animal. Uh, but prior to that, prior to the last 20 years, you never heard of LSU. LSU won a magical championship post Saban after he left because of Saban's plates. Okay, they had, they had a, oh, I was in the building. I saw that one. And that yeah. was, that was not because of the man under the hat. That was because right. of the guy that left all the cupboard full. Yeah. And then, and the LSU gets, gets another one under, under Coach O, but bottom line is Alabama is set up to win and win for a long time. Well, same it did not leave the cupboard bare. He left going out on top and assisting title, beating Georgia in the process. I just think, I think we're in a much better place to move forward. Is it going to be different? Yeah. Everything's yeah. going to be different about this next year, Rick, because we've got a whole new playoff system that we have no idea how that's going to go down. Let's sure. Give more teams a chance to play. 
And I think Alabama will be a member of the playoff from now on. Because I think Alabama is certainly going to be one of the four or five best teams in the country every single year. Just like Ohio State has been able to do. He's an urban buyer. For sure. Hey, folks, as, as you're out there and listening to us and joining in with us on the Bama Forever podcast, one of the things we want to ask you to do is we want to ask you to jump on YouTube. We want you to subscribe, yeah. to, to give us a leave us a comment. and We'd love to hear from you along the way as, as we have the opportunity to continue to put this show on. But one way you can help us is by subscribing and jumping in and becoming part of the family. And we're really thankful that you're listening and participating and that you're part of this with us. So Scott, as we round out the the rest of this segment, I think one of the one of the points you made was about the the defense and where we are at this point with regard to an opportunity for a defensive transition in leaving Coach Saban's defense behind. And I thought you made a great point when we were going back and forth a little bit offline about that. And man, I'd love for you to just throw that out and be able to yeah. throw that into the throw that into the conversation a little. We need to tell anybody a little bit about Coach Wilmax. He is first of all, he's a great recruiter. He's a guy that has been a head coach at South Alabama, and so he's got great relationships in, in high schools, not only in Alabama but all over the Gulf Coast. And, and he's a hard nosed guy. They're going to run a lot of four-two-five type defenses, and people don't understand how four two, five works. And we're talking about four down 11, two linebackers and both of the guys on the end can, they can rush the passer or they can also drop the coverage as well, but primarily not just one at the passer, but two physical linebackers and cover side to side. We don't typically go with five defensive backs, two corners, two safeties and the guy, nickel guy that can also be in the box as a linebacker can be interchangeable. Has a strong safety or another safety as well. So four two five is a very good defense. Bama's been typically a mixed safety three four style defense. Right, Kevin the board likes to attack. And we, I think Alabama fans are going to like that. Plus, you've got a new pickup tonight as well. And I like what Alphonse Taylor was, was talking about. Alphonse is from yeah in Bell Gill area, and he was talking about what Alabama's got, but but also. The, the other guys that are coming in as well. I just think the staff is going to be very attack style, both on offense and defense, run oriented. But you saw what they were able to do with Michael Penix. You also saw the development of Washington's wide receivers. Most people were guarding Washington receivers. This year's the best group in the country, and there wasn't a five-star guy on the whole roster. Right. But there are also two guys that are probably going to go in the first round. And that's what coaching and development can do for you. I'm really excited about Coach Womack. I really think that what they're trying to do down there, I think the safeties, particularly Caleb Ball, I think the way he was able to play this year, levitate the tackles, I think he'll continue to do that. He's going to be a star in this defense as well as the linebackers because that, the defensive line is set up to allow the linebackers to make plays. It's what you want. So I don't know Kane Womack, but I do know his dad, Dave, and and know him from his time at Southern Miss before he was with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss. And Dave was a fantastic coach. And one of the, one of the things about Kane is he grew up 
around football. He grew up in a coach's home. He's his pedigree is outstanding. Yeah. Also have the privilege of knowing a couple of guys that worked in significant off the field roles for him at South Alabama. And just in talking with some of those guys today, everything that I hoped about him and hoped would be true, it, it's true. You've got a guy that, that, that does incredibly well on the recruiting trail. He, make, he builds great relationships with high school coaches. He's got fantastic relationships in the Southeast with high school coaches, and that's going to pay incredible dividends. South Alabama this year had the number 15 defense in the country. And then basically, and, I went to I went to Stillwater, and gave Oklahoma State its fourth loss of the year prior to a Big Twelve title. Only gave up a, they only gave up one one touchdown to Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken, right? That was a big, yeah. that was a huge win. And then also, a new just assistant that's coming in is Maurice Lindquist, who was the coach, the head coach at Buffalo. He got two guys that were head coaches. And brought them into Alabama as defensive assistants. Linquist has got a great story as well. He was the head coach of Buffalo from 2021. Yeah. Clayton Baylor, a very energetic guy. We're also going to keep Freddie Roach on the staff. Yeah. Uh, both of the strength conditioning coaches will be back as well. Jeff Allen will be back. There's a lot of, there's a lot of new blood, but there's also some guys they're going to help with the transition as well. They'll have been coach Sanders for a very, very long time. And I think that was important that you had a little mix there of new ideas, guys that have been around Alabama football and coach Sanders for a while. And that's, I think that's going to help with these transition big time. Here's, here's something that we're going to, we're going to turn the corner a little bit because, but to give you a segue into that, the last time that the university of Alabama poached a head coach from University of Buffalo, it worked out pretty well for us. Sure and, uh, and so it worked out pretty well tonight, as a matter of fact. And we'll get into that. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We've got our buddy Tyler Roberts that's going to join with us. And, and we're going to talk a little hoops here for a few minutes. But before we get there, we're going we're gonna to hear about Title Towel. One of the things that we want to make sure and do is that we want to be ready. We want to be ready for A-Day. We want to be ready for, for the first home game this next year. And we want to have those Title Towels ready to be able to use our rally towel, the official rally towel, the Crimson Tide, a title towel. So let's hear a little bit about title towel. Introducing the title towel, the ultimate rally towel for every Bama fan. Brought to you by Whitwell Sports, your one-stop shop for all things Alabama. Our title towel is not just any towel. It's a symbol of your Tide pride. Wave it high, wear it proudly, show your support for the Crimson Tide like never before. And here's some exciting news. The Title Towel is a proud sponsor of the Bama Forever podcast. As a special thank you to all our Tide fans listening, you can save $1 per item at whitwillsports.com by using the code TWO at checkout. The Title Towel, because true Tide fans know it's not just a towel, it's a tradition. Get yours now at whitwillsports.com. Roll Tide. All right. Welcome to the broadcast. Tyler Roberts, how you doing, buddy? Hey, doing well, guys. How are y'all? Man, What's we're up, good. Buddy? We're good. I'm, we're ready. We're ready to roll, talk a little bit of hoops. But before we get there, we got a little special treat for you, man. Here uh, we go. We're going to go with the scoop from Tyler Roberts. Look at that, man. Not everybody gets their own entrance. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm here in, we're covered up in 
maybe I missed something in the past week or so. Did something happen football wise? Nothing that folks in Tennessee didn't know anything about. So, uh, man, it's it's been a little wild and woolly. And we're we were talking tonight about just all the craziness and all the rumors and all the all the garbage that we've heard. But but heck, man, we're alive and kicking, and everything rolls forward. And one of the things that rolls forward is Alabama basketball is still rolling on, even in the midst of. In the midst of a hard freeze tonight, we, in, in 10 degree temperatures, folks got out and actually made their way into Coleman Coliseum tonight for a ball game. What happened tonight, man? A weird, fun little stat, if you will. In 1982, back when it was just Memorial Coliseum, we were playing Missouri at home and there was bad weather, we closed down the roads and everything. And they, Birdplay said, hey, to every student, come in for free. And we uh, we took advantage of the home field, a raucous crowd then, and won by, I believe, 11 that year. I'm not going to lie. At that point, I was not quite thought of. <laughs> At least from my readings, that's what I've been told. One thing tonight. The last couple of games that I've noticed, especially this past weekend against Mississippi State, Grant Nelson really stepped defensively. Tolu Smith is not the easiest guy to just go toe-to-toe with. He really put up a solid performance. Uh, Aaron Estrada, again, is really coming into his own. And Latrell Reitzel. Back-to-back games where he's he's starting he's starting to have a place in the lineup, if you will, and I, I I don't know whether it was the weather issues or what, but the crowds seem to be a lot more tonight. One thing that still worries me is we're not quite putting our foot on the gas. We'll get a seven eight point lead and then we'll cut it to three, cut it back to one two possession game. So that's something that. I look for us to get better at in the future is if we do get that eight-point lead, really putting the nail in the coffin earlier and more often than what we're doing currently. But overall, at the end of the day, undefeated in SEC play. And got a tough one coming up on the road this weekend, but it's also an opportunity. And I think outside... Connect is playing out of his mind the last few games. I see him coming back down to earth, hopefully. But if you're up there and you get hungry, check out Calvin on the river. Also, the downtown grill and brewery, been spot, and then also the copper cellar. It's a little bit out off campus, but check out some of those places. But yeah, no. We'll see what we're made of here in the next couple of weeks. We got at Tennessee and then at or excuse me, home against Auburn, which will be a good measure for us in a couple of different aspects. I think it's been good that we've seen the last couple of games have been a little chippy, and so they're they've been physical. There's been a lot that's been a lot of pushing and shoving. There's been a lot of jawing that's gone on, and so we're I think. With Auburn and Tennessee in the next two ball games, these have been pretty good primers to get ready 
and and exceed what what this team is made of. Rylan Griffin had an incredible night tonight. He did. He played out of his head, and and so I think you know we're in a we're in a good spot. I think right now, how can you not be in a good spot when you're undefeated conference play and showing the kind of fire that this team is showing? And so well, I. I I think we're going to have a we're going to have a, a a good week ahead of us, and and we're going to find out a lot as we go forward. What you got, man? Well, no, I, and I think there's one thing I love about Nick's philosophy offensively is you got a guy like Rylan Griffin tonight, where whether he woke up on the right of the ate the right thing for breakfast, whatever, he was feeling it. But that offense. If you're continuing beating that guy, that four-point lead can jump to 12 really quickly, and that's where you separate yourself, I think, from a, a lot of teams, especially a team like a Tennessee, where maybe they beat you up a little bit more on the inside, but you go on a quick little spurt, 8-9, 10-0 run, that can be the difference in the game. Yeah. I think if we can avoid the what we saw at the end of the first half and those cold spells, especially at a crucial point like that where they really could have put their foot on Missouri's throat, we, we allowed them to get back in it and probably allowed them to get back in it a little bit because we got a little over-emotional and, and probably just probably didn't play the kind of fundamental basketball. But it seemed like Coach Oates was excited tonight by the defensive intensity by and large. There were several comments that he you could hear him make along the way. One of the benefits of having maybe a, a smaller but a, but an enthusiastic crowd as at Coleman is we got to pay a little more attention to him. There was one point where I don't know if you guys saw it, but he was windmilling to the crowd and was, he was in that's as much as he'd been in my opinion all at least in home game all season. He was one megaphone away from joining the cheerleaders. It was it was pretty exciting. Scott, what you got, man? Oh uh, yeah, everybody in the media, Coach Kevin shoved the guy, Sean, away from play a bit. Yeah, the, oh. on the foul, but is that one play on the SEC network? Whatever, whatever. They didn't get kicked out of the game, did there? Wasn't a technical foul call, so I don't think it's as much to do about that for that. I know Oates is not very well liked nationally, which I like a lot. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why. Or that That's good, mainly because Bama's winning. But yeah, Tennessee is a huge game now. Alabama didn't play well up there last year at all. And Tennessee's a real streaky team. We mentioned Lex. You never know what's going to happen with that guy. If he's hot, Tennessee's got a chance. Because he's, to me, they're, he's their really, he's their main guy. If he doesn't score, Tennessee has a tough time scoring a lot of points. So if, if Bama could keep him in check, you get this win on the road, that would be huge, well, especially with Auburn coming out next week. Man, I, I got to be honest over here in the chat. I'm taking a beating over here because um, there are a few folks that are calling me out over the fact that I may have changed my tune a little bit on Coach DeBoer. And, and so I'm, I'm just going to cross Seegers coming in here, gone from negative Nancy, come full circle. Thanks Croft. I appreciate the, I appreciate the encouragement, but we're going to, we're going to throw one of your questions up here. What about Cedric? Cedric <laughs> answered that question himself and he answered it with Michael Casagrande 
during the press conference, actually. And Michael tweeted out in the midst of all that, that Cedric said he ain't going nowhere. And, and so we heard it straight from the man. The institution lives. And so we have an unbroken thread from Bryant that continues and into the DeBoer era. So we're pretty pumped about the fact that he's hanging around. But yeah, I have changed my tune a little bit. And, and I feel a whole lot better now that we've gotten the, a little bit of the defensive side of the ball figured out. And there's some, there's some, there's some hard-nosed defensive guys that are over there. And we've got some pretty daggum good intensity that we see there. So guys, we're going to come back in a second, wrap it up. But before we do that, we want to do one last thing to pay the bills here. And so we want to remind you about Sarah Hyundai. So let's hear from our friends over at Sarah Hyundai. At Sarah Hyundai, we're not just another dealership. We're an active part of the community. We work hard to be a respective and helpful addition to Central Alabama. Our work supports the community through donations to various organizations and programs that help those that are in most need. So remember, the next time you need service or a purchase of a vehicle, come to Sarah Hyundai, the ones who give back. Sarah Hyundai, serving the community for over 30 years. So as we finish up, here's the $64,000 question. Does Alabama sell tickets for a day? Then they'll have a huge crowd, but no, they won't do it. I do expect uh, the Lord's stop. They won't get back to our roots on the whole day. day. I expect uh, that huge crowd, probably bigger one than we've had maybe a decade down there. Yep. I, I think this one may rival what we, what we said, welcome to coach Saban with, with 90, was it 97,000 people? 92. 92. I don't know if we'll get there, but I think we'll have a good show. And until then, man, we just need to keep talking about ball, right? We had a right. long fall to, to get in and talk about all the things that, that arise, all the craziness that, and twists and turns, and we're going to be right here to, to carry on those conversations. And so y'all continue to come back, check in with us. Like we said on YouTube, it would be a huge help if you like, subscribe, comment, let us hear from you. Let us know a little bit about who you are. We're going to help our buddy Tyler out. Hashtag T-Rob. Go find him on Twitter. Go tell it. Go tell him he needs to put up an avatar. People think, <laughs> people think he's spam because all we saw was that T up there. So if we can get him an avatar, we'd probably get him several hundred followers tonight. But let's work on that. But y'all go find him. Sign up. Make sure that you follow him. He's going to follow you back. And, and then tweet it out to your friends. So they join him too. And y'all, we're going to be right back, right here, right back next week on the Bama yeah. Forever podcast. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate you. And, and as always, roll tide. Roll tide. Roll tide.